turn to page 40 with us. Page number 40, we're going to sing this song together. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Sing it out together as we begin our services this morning. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Lift up your banner that the anthems bring. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God this morning that is greater and mightier than anything else? Amen. Great and mightier than this old sinful wicked world and we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Amen. He is in control. It's good to have you in the Lord's house this morning. Glad each one could be here today. As we begin this morning, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Alan Quinlan if you would open us in prayer this morning, please. Lord, thank you for your wonderful love. Thank you that you're great and mighty, that we can depend on you, that we can count on you, and that we can know that Lord, I ask your blessing upon our services today and just ask you to turn our hearts and our minds to you. May we be attentive to the preaching of your word. May your Holy Spirit deal with us. Thank you again for your love. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Just have a few announcements to make to you as we begin this morning. Of course, you've probably noticed, if you didn't know uh, already, but uh, Pastor Stewart's out of town uh, today. So be in prayer for him. Uh, he is filling the pulpit for Brother Abel's down at Berean Baptist there in Springfield today. So he and his family are gone there. But it's good to have Brother Ben Quinlan here with us this morning. Amen. And uh, thankful that uh, he is a man of God that will preach the word this morning. And, of course, no stranger to us being from here. Amen. Right. And uh, he can probably tell you lots of stories where he and I got in trouble as kids together. But we don't want to get into any of that today. He may anyway. I don't know. But uh, he's looking at me like, oh, it's coming. No, I, don't know. I hope not. But uh, good to have he and his family here today. So thankful for him. Um, I want to leave a couple of uh, reminders with you. Just things to plan for that are coming up. Don't forget that this coming Saturday is going to be a churchwide outreach. So plan to be here Saturday, 1030 in the morning. And uh, I was thinking we could get more amens than that this morning for outreach. But uh, hopefully you'll plan on being here. Amen. Uh, 1030 in the morning. This Saturday we'll go out on Canvas and knock some doors and invite people to church. And as our class has been going, we're way behind in ABCs from you adults that were in here. We're just on letter W. So we're going through witnessing, and we need to be a witness, amen? So uh, looking forward to outreach this Saturday at 1030 in the morning. We'll meet over in the fellowship hall, which, by the way, is uh, getting a little closer to being done. So if you haven't been over there in a while, you can go and check that out. It's looking really good there. Um, and then don't forget, a week from tomorrow is the first day of school for Faith Baptist School. So uh, planning on that, and I, uh, he doesn't even have kids in the school anymore. He's, he's ready to get rid of the grandkids. No, I don't know. But uh, if you've got kids in the school, make sure that uh, you're aware of that. And uh, the doors will open at 8 a.m. next Monday so they can get in and get their things settled in school. Uh, but we're looking forward to a good year. Um, enrollment is up. We have 40 students total for the year. And so we're excited about what the Lord has for us this year. So that's Monday the 14th. And then uh, Sunday, the 20th, so not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, missionary Jonathan Switzer will be here. And uh, if you've not heard Jonathan Switzer preach before, he'll be a real blessing to you. So looking forward to that day. He'll be here in the morning and in the evening, and that'll be a, that'll be a great time together in the Lord. Don't forget, ladies, you have a ladies' meeting. Your first one is on the uh, Tuesday, the 22nd. 
Okay, Tuesday the 22nd of this month, uh, from, it starts at 7 o'clock, so make sure that you're here for that if you're a part of the ladies uh, meeting. If you've never been uh, in the ladies group before, come on out and join them, all right? Uh, you, can, you can certainly join that group on the 22nd. On the 27th, we're going to be privileged to have in the evening service, Brother Dave Hardy back. Again, he'll be preaching in the evening service on August the 27th in the p.m., so looking forward to that. He is a wonderful blessing and a man of God, and looking forward to having him here uh, on the 27th. And that same night, we have a linger longer afterward for uh, everyone. So make sure that you're coming prepared. Bring some finger foods and things like that. I, I guess you don't eat fingers, but bring the food you eat with your fingers. Okay. Well, this morning, all right? I'm just, the dad jokes don't get any better, okay? So, uh, but uh, we'll have a good time there, fellowship on uh, the 27th after the p.m. service. Men, don't forget, if you want to go to the men's recharge in September, the dates were moved for that, okay? So uh, there was a conflict of schedule they had there. So the dates have been moved to the 22nd and 23rd of September. And there's a sign-up sheet out in the outer foyer. So if you would, go ahead and sign up. Mark on there. If you're going to stay in the hotel or in the dorm, please make a note of that so we know how many hotel rooms to get uh, for you. And uh, I think the price may be on there as well. I don't know the price off the top of my head, so don't ask me. But I think it's on there. Um, if you do need to know, um, we can certainly find that out for you. But um, sign up there on the, in the outer foyer on your way out on the left-hand side. All right. Well, that's a lot, but there's a lot of things coming, a lot of things to plan for. And I'd rather have a lot to do than nothing to do. Amen? So uh, be a part of all these things that are coming up. Let's go ahead and stand again. Turn to page 110. Page number 110 this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord, page 110. We'll sing all three verses together this morning. Oh, for a thousand times to verse again if you're still there page 110 if you already closed your book that last verse i think sometimes again we just sing through songs and we don't really give thought to the words but i'm telling you that last verse he breaks the power of canceled sin you better be thankful for that this morning his blessed be the name of the lord his blood can make the foulest clean 
That's you and me. So again, we need to be thankful for that this morning. Amen. And not just sing through the words, but think about what we're singing this morning and sing it out to the Lord. We sing, blessed be the name of the Lord. We ought to be really singing that this morning because he is a blessed Lord, isn't he? Let's sing it together on that last verse one more time. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His blood can make the foulest clean. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen this morning. Let's turn to page 234. Page number 234 this morning. His grace is sufficient. Amen. Let's sing both verses together. Page number 234. Many times I've tried and tested as I travel day by day.
page 234 if you lost that page number. Let's sing that last verse. When the tempter brings confusion, I don't know what to do. On my knees, I turn to Jesus. Amen. Aren't you thankful you can turn to Jesus this morning for all your needs? Let's sing it out on that second verse. When the tempter brings confusion and I don't know what to do, on my knees I turn to Jesus, for I know he'll see me through. Then the Well, as the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 5. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without Christ, in due time, Christ died, even for the ungodly. Amen. Luke Quinlan, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated.
the grace of our God this morning? Whoa. There better be more. I said, aren't you thankful for the grace of our God this morning? I mean, if, if it wasn't for his grace, where would you be this morning, okay? Oh, we didn't wake up today. I was just talking about Dennis. I think it's the heat or something or allergies. We got to wake up this morning, all right? Let's stand up. When we all get to heaven, what a day that's going to be. Amen. We're going to sing it out this morning. Sing it like you mean it. Be awake this morning. Sing out to the Lord this morning. Page 692. Page number 692. Let's sing it out all four verses. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. wonderful day when we're in heaven together. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing this morning. This time, Brother Tim Quinlan is going to come and sing this morning a special. And then Brother Ben Quinlan is going to come and preach for us this morning. Brother Tim, come here. Still I feel the rain I know your power has no limit And that my storm is well within it So if you choose to heal We'll give you praise But 
just as much a miracle is grace to give us strength in weakness and carry us through stormy ways though deliverance we request sometimes the storm is best and if you choose to heal we'll give you praise but just as much a miracle is Rejoice to see the working of God's hand When deliverance comes in ways that cannot be explained And though he doesn't take the sorrow Yet gives grace to face tomorrow Isn't that as much a work of God Just as much a miracle is grace To give us strength in weakness And carry us through stormy ways Though deliverance we request Sometimes the storm is best And if you choose to heal We'll give you praise just as much a miracle as grace. So help me, Lord, to see your hand is the one that helps me stand when your miracle is not what I had Just as much a miracle is grace To give us strength in weakness And carry us through stormy ways Though deliverance we request Sometimes the storm is best And if you to heal, we'll give you praise, but just as much a gift is grace, just as worthy of our praise, just as much a miracle is came up to me while we we're sitting up there probably right after offering and said uh so we didn't plan this but tim is singing and i thought well that's fine whoever's singing it's that's no big deal uh even if it does kind of be the quinlan show this morning dad was doing sunday school and luke prayed and uh that that that's you know that's no big deal god does what he wants but uh, uh i know what i'm going to preach this morning and none of y'all, the rest of you except my wife, do. And so that song fits. And let's see, what was the last congregational we did? My Grace is Sufficient. And there was one or two of the other songs this morning, I don't remember if they were during Sunday school or during this main congregational time, that fit real well. 
And uh, uh, God knows that stuff. God knows, and he can work it out. We don't, we don't have to try to manipulate what, what uh, God wants to do. He knows what he's doing, and he will work it out. So I'm going to see if, uh, if you can figure out where I might be preaching out of today uh, just through my introduction. I'm not going to tell you yet. I, uh, I like surprises, or at least I like surprising other people. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's do a show of hands. How many of you had terrible things happen to you? You've had something terrible. Well, that's a lot of folk. That doesn't really surprise me at all because terrible things happen to all kinds of people, but we're talking to believers this morning. We're talking to people who are at church, so I want to assure you, terrible things happen to good and godly people. It happens all the time. Uh, so I've already got a cry fest going this morning, so we're just going to continue with that. Um, I remember very clearly sitting in a waiting room, waiting for my wife to get out of uh, uh, surgery from a heart attack and getting all that freed up. I remember very clearly. Um, I can remember very clearly sitting in our living room in, I think it was 1994, when dad sat down with us kids and said, so here's the deal. I've got MS and, you know, we don't know how that's going to be. I, I remember those things very clearly. And I imagine if we went around the room, we can all remember something like that. The, the diagnosis of a disease, um, the uncertainty from some kind of medical procedure that had to take place, um, the loss of a loved one that was unexpected, uh, maybe the loss of a job that thought everything was going good, and next thing you know, you're out of a job and you don't know what you're going to do. Your business collapsed for one reason or another, that there's some kind of storm or something and it takes out a house, so a house burns down. There are all kinds of things that, that can be terrible things that happen to all kinds of people, all kinds of people, and it's not expected it's not looked for, it's certainly not desired, right? And it's not because of anything that you did. Things happen. We live in a world where because of the sinfulness that, has, that man brought in, bad things happen. Bad things happen. And so uh, any ideas where we're going to look at in the Bible? Job. Job chapter 1, if you would please. <coughs> Job chapter 1. I started here probably a couple of months back, maybe a little bit more than that, looking at Job. And uh, can, I, can I give you just a little bit of a disclaimer on Job? Don't read through the book of Job and take everything that it says as, boy, this is gospel truth, this is how life is. Because Job had three friends that say things that make sense. They say things that, boy, that, that just seems like that would be the truth. And it's not. It's not the truth. It's how people think, but it's not the truth. So be careful when you're reading through the book of Job that you don't latch on to some verse or some idea that you found in there and said, boy, this is, see, this is what the Bible said, so it must be the truth. And it may not necessarily be the case. So uh, with that disclaimer, uh, I'm not telling you don't read the book of Job. Just understand what you're reading. Understand who is speaking? And we could go into a, a, a whole message about who is speaking and to whom they're speaking matters in Scripture. 
that it's written by somebody to somebody, all according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So uh, we need to understand those truths, but that's not today's message. All right, Job chapter 1. Uh, stand with me if you would, and we're going to read verses 20 through 22. So we're going to look at more than that, but that's where we're going to be looking. As we're considering these verses here in the book of Job, we're considering what happened to Job, that terrible things happened to good and godly people. I want you to understand that while they will happen, we have absolute control over how we respond in those situations. We have absolute control. Uh, I can't remember where it is at the moment, but the, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. We decide how we're going to respond to things. And so when we're facing these issues, because you will, even though you may already have faced an issue, you probably will face another one. There will be another trouble. There will be another problem that you didn't ask for and you didn't look for and you don't like it. You may as well prepare now for how you're going to respond. So that's what we're looking at. Even when the emotions that go along with it may seem overwhelming, we have an opportunity to choose how we're going to respond in these times. Job chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And can I remind you, while it does not say the same thing, uh, near the, the middle of chapter 2, or the end of chapter 2, when Job is faced with um, added injury, he still has the same mindset. He doesn't change his response. He doesn't give up when more happens. And we're going to look at chapters 1 and chapter 2 real briefly. And we want to look and understand what Job's going through and his response and then how we should respond. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you that... Your grace is sufficient that through whatever trial we're going through, we don't have to be overcome of our emotions. We don't have to be overcome of all that truly is bad and terrible. But we know that your grace is sufficient. We know that you're there for us, that your name is blessed. I pray that you would just be with me this morning, that I would proclaim your word, your truth, Lord, to encourage and help the people of Faith Baptist Church. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Y'all are going to have to start carrying a thing of, yeah, keep a thing of, uh, well, I guess your pastor has a, not a paper towel, not a napkin, a handkerchief, that's it. I should, uh, no, thanks, I'm good. I've seen where that has been. I'm watching my dad sweat this morning all over the place, and at YouthCon, I had um, a Gatorade towel that Pepsi gave me, and I was carrying that around for two days because it's hot, and uh, 
uh, yeah, anyway, moving on from all that, it was not unbearable. We, my wife and I did determine that a uh, hundred and slightly over that in Oklahoma is about like 90 degrees in Iowa. And you know what makes the difference? Humidity. Uh, in Oklahoma, you'll be about 40, 50%. In Iowa, it's like 90%. And humidity is terrible. Uh, but anyway, moving on, none of that matters. It's all free stuff. Now you know what to expect if you go to Iowa. Uh, Job's loss. We want to look first at Job's loss. We, I imagine that the good majority of us are familiar with what's going on here. But for the sake of those who may not be, and to remind ourselves, because it's easy, out of sight, out of mind, don't really think about it. But we want to consider what Job's going through here. Um, we're, we're not going to spend time to look at the discourse between God and Satan, but uh, Satan comes to God and uh, he's bored, I guess. So uh, God presents to him Job, that Job is an upright man, that's perfect in all his ways, and escheweth evil. And uh, so uh, Satan has to ask permission and God gives permission, and that should be very encouraging to us. Amen. Nothing happens to us just because God's going. Behind, I'm sorry that Satan is going behind God's back to do something. Satan has to ask permission of God to do anything that is that that he wants to do. So God gives him permission to a certain degree, and Satan comes and wipes out Job's life. Wipes it out. Let's look there at verse uh, 14 and 15. To start with, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them, and took, took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. I want to I take a slightly different view of what we're looking at than normally we would, because we understand in that day the, all these things here that we're going through are representations of wealth. It'd be like, uh, in, in some ways, it would be like saying uh, uh, Job's 401k was wiped out, the, the stock market tanked, and it went down to nothing. And because of some other thing, there was a run on the bank, and Job didn't get there in time and lost all of his money because it, uh, it was not, uh, the federal government collapsed, and so the federal government did not federally insure his money for whatever reason. We could go on to all kinds of weird things. What I'm saying is everything got wiped out, and I want to look at it in this specific way to bring us all together to help us understand it's not just that Job lost stuff, okay? It, it, it is a little bit more than that. Uh, so what kind of economy, what kind of culture did Job live within? Somebody answer me, please. Agrarian, absolutely, is agriculture. So here is uh, Job that loses his oxen and his asses, which were plowing. So they're in the middle. They, they are doing their purpose. They're fulfilling their purpose. This is his agricultural workforce. This is how he gets work done. You put seed in the ground, you've got to have people out there putting the seed in the ground. If you're going to plow, you've got to have those donkeys and those oxen who are plowing up the ground, who are doing the job of, of cultivating land and preparing land and taking care of the land and then harvesting that land as well. So when it says his, his oxen and his uh, donkeys were killed, were destroyed, were taken away, his agricultural workforce is gone. He still has land, but how is he supposed to work it? He can't do that. Okay, next, verse 16. Uh, While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep 
and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Okay, so sheep aren't involved so much in plowing fields, right? Anybody ever seen that done? Now I'm very curious to find out if sheep can be... I don't think so. I, everything I know about sheep is that they are very dumb animals and uh, they're a good picture of you and I before God. But uh, So sheep, what would be the primary product of sheep? Wool, which is used for clothing. So now his textiles are wiped out. How all that he would have for the new fashions of the day is gone. It's gone. There's no more clothes because all of it, not just hauled off where he can go back and get them, they've been burned up. It's gone. Verse 17. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. What is the primary job of camels? Transportation. So now, whatever he may have had stored somewhere else can't be distributed because all of his camels are gone. He can't get the product where the product needed to go. His, his agriculture aspect is gone. His textiles uh, part of his business is gone. His distribution network is gone. Everything's collapsing around him. Kind of like COVID, wasn't it? Uh, everything's falling apart around him. And then again, to add more to it, verses 18 and 19, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Generally speaking, uh, um, with the understanding that we work to provide for ourselves, as a parent, you work to provide for the next generation. I imagine Job's intent was, as he got older, as he matured, as it became more difficult for him to do the work, to manage the work, he was planning on giving that double portion to his eldest son and dividing up the rest between his other sons so that this family business would continue. And now he's got no family. To remove business... You don't get to this level of wealth and business acumen without some ambition, right? And now his ambition's gone. Why bother? We can, the more we get into this account, the more we can see it's not just that Job lost stuff. His whole world has folded and collapsed and is destroyed. And I don't want to even say it's like a house of cards. Because it sounds like he was pretty well diversified, wasn't it? He, he wasn't out there making shady deals. He, he wasn't trying to manipulate things to look better than they were. This was not a Ponzi scheme. This was not something that was, that was set up as a house of cards. It looked like it was good. What are the odds that all of this would happen within moments of each other? But now it's all gone. I can understand 
the feeling of why bother trying to do it again? Why bother? What's the point? It's all gone. I don't even have any family to give it over to when I'm done. I, I, we, we're not told how old Job is. Obviously, he's old enough to have ten grown children. So he's not a young man. We know that at the end of the story, that God is going to give him back double all that he lost, including ten more children. So he's going to have, I mean, he's, he's, not, a, he's not a young man, but his life is not near the end either. But I can still understand how he would look at all this and upon hearing his children have passed, the thought crossing his mind or some short time thereafter saying, you know, what's the point? Why, why bother trying again? Why start from scratch? I, I obviously understand that he did not succumb to that idea, but I imagine it might have passed his mind. It might have been something he considered. It's just not worth it. So why, why bother? It's... Uh, let me hold off on that. Uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 7. Again, Satan comes to God. He's still bored. God, again, gives him permission to go another step further with Job. And so verse 7, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job, smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he, that being Job, took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all. And he sat down among the ashes. And the way I understand it, he was amongst the ashes because ashes were clean. I don't know that I would say sterile, but they were cleaner than sitting in just regular old dirt. The, the phrase that keeps coming into my mind is adding insult to injury, but this is not insult. It's more injury. He just keeps getting another and another type of injury. And things are bad. If I was going to give up before, now I'd really want to give up. Now I'm absolutely miserable. And I think most of us understand how it feels to be just physically miserable one way or another. Um, as I've gotten more mature, I recognize I have more aches and pains. Uh, both camps, one of them particular, I don't remember which, I noticed my right leg was starting to swell up for no apparent reason. I, I am a big fan and proponent of drinking water. You, you know how much water you're supposed to drink when it's hot? A quart an hour. If you're working, moderate working, in 80 degrees or more, a quart an hour. That's a lot of water. It's a lot. I'm a big fan of drinking water. So even at camp, I was trying to drink as much water as I could. I don't want to get heat exhaustion. I don't want to get sick that way. I know how it feels. I don't want it. But still, because of my maturity level, my leg is swelling up and my knee, I'm finding that my knee, it just, uh, sometimes it just gets tight and it doesn't want to bend. Uh, pretty sure that after this morning, having stood for a good portion of this morning, my knee will not want to bend, and it will be somewhat painful this afternoon to get it bending again. That's just how it is. We understand these things. We know that there's going to be these kind of things. So look down at verse 9 here with Job. <coughs> now that he is, his body is covered in painful, grotesque, oozing sores, uh, verse 9, then said his wife unto him, and I suppose this is where it's insult to injury. 
Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. I don't know how much you've considered Job's wife. Uh, Maybe you've heard a message on how terrible a woman she is. I don't believe that. Her livelihood just went down the toilet like his did. Ten children that she brought into this world and carried for half her life, right? They're gone. And I can't help but wonder if maybe all that we're going to look at as far as the grace of God and responding in a godly fashion to these kind of things, she just skipped over that. And I don't believe she was trying to be malicious. I don't know that I would agree with the idea of her taking it out on Job. How dare you do this to me? Curse God and die. I don't think that was her attitude. I think she's looking at her husband who who had probably done the majority of the work to build up the livelihood and had certainly taken a great part in uh, rearing up these children and training them and teaching them. Uh, We could see in chapter 1 that it was Job's practice to go out and uh, make sacrifice for them, to pray on their behalf. I tend to believe that he probably brought them with him to say, I I don't want to just be doing this on my own. I want to teach you that God matters. I want to teach you that it matters how we live before God and that we stay in the right standing before God. So you are going to come with me. You're going to take part in these services. You're going to take part, and I want you to have a fellowship with God as I have. I tend to believe that of Job. I don't think he's one that's just, well, whatever the kids do, and then I'll take care of this on my end. I think Job knew better than that. I think so. So that when I come to this point of Job's wife telling him this, that I really, I really get this idea that she is trying to encourage Job to find peace and rest by giving up and succumbing to the overwhelming loss of everything. I, I think in a, in a, maybe this is too harsh, in a twisted way, she is trying to help Job. In, not twisted, I've got a better word for it. In a carnal way, in a fleshly way, in a temporal way. Because all of us have probably felt that way about something to some degree or another. We see how bad it is, just like, fine, throw up the hands and give up. I'm, I'm walking away from that. I'm not messing with it anymore. I'm done with it. It's the same attitude, just in a bigger way. Because a lot has happened. I, I, I want to understand Job's wife. But can I tell you, I don't want to justify her actions because she was wrong in saying this. She was wrong. And we're going to see that in Job's response to all this. Let's go back to chapter 1. How did Job respond? He's lost his agriculture. He's lost his uh, textiles. He's lost his distribution. He's lost his children, his reason for working to provide for them. Uh, And... He, his wife, I, I know we're going backwards, so this hasn't happened yet, but he will ha- have his physical body um, <laughs> just destroyed, and then his wife adds that insult to injury. And in verse 20, as we already read, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head. What are those, and I know there's several answers to this, I apologize, I am looking for a specific answer. What are those indicative of? What are they symbolic of? 
mourning. Mourning. Absolutely. It's the first thing Job does. He rent his mantle and shaved his head. He's mourning. Does he have good reason to mourn? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody mourned the loss of business, job, the loss of a loved one? We've mourned, haven't we? Uh, I'm sure y'all, a majority of you have heard it because I've preached a couple of funerals here. And I try to make it a point whenever I'm preaching a funeral to let people know it's okay to mourn. We, we don't need to be stoic. I'm going to be strong for the rest of the family. That's foolishness. We need to mourn. You, you notice that in all of this, God does not come to a place of saying, now, Job, all that stuff happened to you. Uh, you did fine, but the mourning, that was just over. God never says that. God never says that. He mourned. It, it was right and appropriate for him to mourn. It is, it is necessary that we mourn. And now I understand, too, that different people are going to mourn different ways. When you have a loss, when things go bad, there needs to be that time of dealing with it, however that is, within the bounds of what is right and proper. Do we all understand that? I'm not saying go crazy and just do whatever you want, but mourn within the bounds of what is right and proper. Mourn, go ahead and cry. Let's look at a few verses. You don't just take my word for it. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, hear the preacher talking about life under the sun. You all know that that means he's considering life without God. And he takes moments away throughout the book to bring it back to God, to include God. But generally speaking, the majority of the book is about life without God, discounting God. We're going to live it how we want to live, doing our thing, all the things that could be done. And in chapter 3, verse 4, we've got this a time to this and a time to that through all of chapter 3, verse 4. Even the, uh, the, the preacher, Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time to weep. There is a time to mourn. There's times when it's right, it's appropriate, it's the thing to do. We, we need to be able to accomplish that, to be able to work through whatever it is we're dealing with. We need to be able to mourn. Uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And James is speaking to believers that have gone out, and they are out in the world, and they are going to... Uh, continue. He's encouraging them to continue serving God and doing what God would have them to do to be a witness and walk in the Spirit uh, wherever they go. And in James chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. I know we're not looking at all the context of that, but I want you to understand that the Scripture says in more than one place, there is a time to mourn. There is a time to weep. Oh, but I'm a man. I'm going to be a man and I'm not going to cry. Well, I'm long since gone to that. <laughs> I, I determined long time ago, uh, I don't really care too much what people think. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. I try to be careful. I don't want to say I don't care, but it doesn't matter to me what people think. Um, I'll tell one story and I'll try to move on quick. 
every day, the last day of uh, uh, school here. Is it still Silver Dollar City Day? Go to Silver Dollar City. If you've ever been to Silver Dollar City and made that drive, uh, you know that on the way there, it's better now, but it used to be a lot of up and down and side to side. And so when we got to Silver Dollar City, by the time we got there, I was already feeling unwell. And all of my friends would be trying to say, come on, let's go on Thunderation, we'll go on Wildfire, we'll go on all these uh, roller coasters. Like, no thanks, I'm good. I'm all right, I'm good, I don't need to. And you know how teens can be, there's lots of peer pressure there. So I learned how to deal with peer pressure a long time ago because I was greatly motivated not to be sick. That makes Silver Dollar City Day miserable. If you start it sick and then you make more sick and then it's just not fun. So I figured out how to say, I'm sorry, Brother Eric, but it really doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm not, I am not doing it to myself. I'm not going to do that. Um, so if, if there is a, a, an, an aspect of our society that would say men aren't supposed to cry, you shouldn't do that, I don't mind saying nuts to you. Um, if, there's a, if there's an appropriate time to weep and cry and mourn, then we're going to do it. And there are those appropriate times. We're dealing with tragedy. We're dealing with terrible situations in our lives. Why should we try to force ourselves not to deal with it? And I think that's the bigger deal. We're not talking about, well, if you don't cry, you're missing something. Or if you do cry, you're, you're off in the head. We're talking about we've got to be able to deal with these things in a right and appropriate manner so that when we've dealt with them, we can continue moving forward instead of holding on to it. How many people hold on to pain, hold on to suffering, hold on to difficulty that they don't have to? But it has been impressed upon them, well, we don't do that, and we don't act this way, and so we don't deal with situations. We just ignore it and move on. But you may ignore it. You're not moving on. You're not. You're stuck there. You're still there. So Job is showing us that there's an appropriate time to weep and mourn and deal with the situation. Can I give you one more verse? Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. The Apostle Paul encouraging the believers of Rome and thus us by extension. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. It's right. It's acceptable. We need to do that. We need to come alongside. We need to help one another out so that in our mourning, in those times of difficulty, and I know... I know that this church does that very thing, that when people are going through a hard time, we, we rally around each other and we want to help one another out. We want to encourage. And it may not be a big thing. Well, it's just a casserole. What does it matter? But it, it can mean a lot to the people who are going through that situation. It's a small thing that I can do. I, I can't do much. I even try to be careful saying, I understand how you feel. I may not. I may not understand how you feel. But I want to help nonetheless. I want to do something to encourage. I want to, I want to weep with them that weep. And so we mourn and we, we deal with those things in a right and appropriate manner according to God's Word. We don't have to bottle it up. We don't have to hold it inside. Job shows us it is right to weep, to mourn in those times of difficulty. But that's not all Job does, right? We already read it. And this is probably where most people would focus. But I think it takes both, right? Then Job arose, verse 20, and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped, and worshipped. I, I like the fact that it says both of those things, fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Uh, 
If you've seen a Disney princess movie, you've seen them fall down upon the ground. Life is terrible, fall onto some object and start crying. That they were not worshiping. They were not. No worship of God involved in those things. But God tells to us, and if we did the study of the word worship, the word itself, uh, I'm not going to say demands, but I am going to say strongly implies prostrating oneself. That there is a physical posture to that. And, and I'm willing to admit, I believe you can worship without prostrating yourself. I, some people can't do that, right? It'd be hard to get down on the ground and get back up, right? You'll be worshiping for a long time. But uh, uh, shouldn't have gone there. I'm sorry. Worship God. Mourn, weep, deal with those emotions, deal with those things, and worship God. And I want to be careful here too, because I don't want I don't want to encourage anybody to stay in that place of mourning for long periods of time, and then at the end, then worship God. Now, uh, it, it should be a relatively quick process. You can still mourn while you're worshiping God. D- do the mourning, do the weeping, start that process of doing those things, and worship God, and worship God, and fall down before, humble yourself before Him. Go to God. As far as the record of Scripture, there is no indication that Job was ever told by God why all this happened. Traditionally, and the, the book of Job does not speak to it directly, but traditionally the book is written by Elihu, who came in later on. Not Job. It's about Job. Maybe God told Job during his life. Likely he did not. And still, Job worshipped God. Still, Job took the time to put God first. And throughout the book, and at the end of the book, he's, he's learned and he's been tried. He comes forth as gold. Good things happen. He's, he's continuing to serve God. He doesn't turn his back on God. He keeps following Him. This is, in my mind, it's similar to, but different from, uh, there in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David comes back to Ziklag. The city is burned. All the families are gone. And uh, they talked about stoning David. And then we find that verse, I think it's verse 6. I have it written down here. There we go. That David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, it doesn't specifically say worship. It doesn't. And I know that. But that idea of tragedy occurs, go to God. Go to God. Worship God. Recognize his worth. Recognize who he is. In verse 21, uh, Job blesses God here. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to honor him. You know, you know what prompted all this? Even looking at the book of Job, the idea or, or, or what Satan says to God, doth Job serve God for naught? Look at all that Job had. He had an agricultural industry. He had the textiles industry. He had the distribution system. He had a family that would carry on the name, that would continue the business, that would care for him when he was not able to care for himself, he and his wife. Everything in place, and, and even Satan recognizes that God is the doer of it. 
God, Satan knows that. Job knows that. God's the doer of it. And so Satan brings up, does, God, does Job serve God for naught? And I believe it's a question you and I need to ask ourselves. Do we serve God for naught? These kinds of tragedies, uh, when our cup gets, spilled, gets shaken and jostled around, whatever's inside is going to come out. So your cup gets jostled by tragedy. Are you going to go to God? Or is it going to be revealed that you've been all about yourself? Is it going to be revealed that uh, you don't serve God for naught? That, that you expect something? I, I think this is a more dangerous thing, something you and I need to be warned about, uh, maybe more than any other generation before, because we have lots. Can I, can I tell you something that I might get in trouble for? So I'm taking my life in my hands. Uh, Megan's got a job in town, and here, you know, good things, all good things, things working and all that. Uh, the last couple of paychecks rue the day. They took money out to put in a 401k, which she did not uh, apply for and is not really supposed to get because she's not full-time. How dare they? I mean, how awful, right? That they took money out of her check to put it in a 401k that she will have at retirement. How dare they? Seems to me that that's a first world problem. It is kind of an issue. They really weren't supposed to do it. It, it, it wasn't, it's not part of her benefits package. But it's not like they just took it out and put it in their pocket. It's still available. We'll, we'll get it one way or another, right? Not that big a deal. But that's, what, that's the kinds of problems that you and I face sometimes, right? First world problems. And if everything's not going just right, uh, YouthCon. Was it Thursday? Yeah, it was Thursday. We're getting ready for game time. Everybody's hopped up and they're, they want chaos. I'm not a fan of just wanton chaos, but apparently that's what they want for that 30 minutes. They want wanton chaos. And the power goes out. No lights, no air conditioning. I mean, it, it's still cold, but the air conditioning's not running any longer. And the kids took it real well. I praise the Lord. They had a blast even though you couldn't hear anything that the leadership was saying, no instruction could be understood. It really became wanton chaos for about half an hour. <laughs> they got what they wanted. But how many of us, if the AC doesn't work, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. I mean, I'm already sweating up here in this suit, and the AC is running. It's hot. Uh, what about the food? We don't get the food we want. Um, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about all the different kind of things. We have first world problems that we make a big deal that don't have to be. They don't have to be. Uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, another thing that God is kind of showing me here of late is that we need to encourage young men coming into the ministry to be willing to endure, to take some hardship. Things get difficult Make sure you're doing what God wants you to do because if, you're, if you say you're called of God to a ministry and then decide to give it up, one or the other was not right. Either you never were called or now you're deciding not to follow God. I'm not sure which. I don't know. So there's got to be some endurance. 
You know where endurance is built? Usually in our younger years, when parents, when teachers will tell kids, tough, get over it. I can remember having to help move things one way or another, and it's hot and it's sweaty, and you just got to keep going. If you stop, if you stop, you know what happens. You might stop and not get back to it. So you keep going, even if it's hot, even if it's hard, even if, boy, it hurts my muscles and I, I don't want to keep going. Tough! Keep going! Don't give up! Don't give in! Don't stop! Keep going! That's what you have to do. I, I want to look that, and, and I want to apply that with Job. And Job is not, oh, I'm going to man up and I'm going to do it, and boy, just grin and bear it. That's not what Job's doing. He's dealing with it in the right way. But he's still enduring. He's still continuing on. He's not giving up. He's not deciding that it's too much. He blesses God for giving Job all that he had received, understanding that he hadn't deserved any of it. Naked came I into the world. Naked shall I return thither. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Can we remedy when things go wrong, if they can be remedied? Sure, there's nothing wrong with that. But are we going to give up when things don't go our way? Could we again go around to some of the more mature folks who have been following God for a long time and say, how many things went different than you thought? Do you give up? No. It's different. It's not what I expected. But I keep following God. And I keep serving. And until God gives me the green light to do something else, to go somewhere else, I'm going to keep following God. I'm going to stay on this path no matter how hard it gets. No matter how uncomfortable I seem to be. I can keep going. His grace is sufficient. His strength in me. I can do it. Not I, but he that works through me. I can keep going. What's my next point? i got to get done. I think I'm almost as long as Brother... Stuart is. What time does Brother Stuart usually finish? Maybe I'm further along than I thought. All right, I, only a half a page left, half a page. Uh, let's see, that doesn't mean a lot. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, I'm sorry. Chapter 2, verse 10. But he said unto her, okay, this is Job responding to his wife, but he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? He's not meaning that God does evil. He's meaning that the tragedy that has happened, the, the suffering that has occurred, it's termed evil, but it's not evil wicked. It's just bad things that happen. We're going to receive good. Are we not willing to receive the tragedy as well, the suffering as well, the difficulty as well? What did Christ tell the apostles? Um, uh, take up thy cross and follow me. A anybody heard the more modern version of that? The, the, the truly, a, a, an accurately modern version of that. Come join me on my death march. Isn't that what Christ was saying? Take up thy cross and follow me. There's only one reason you pick up a cross. You're going to be crucified on it. He's saying, join me on this death march. So that's what God wants of us. Are we not willing to receive evil at the hand of God, that we've already received good. 
Uh, let's see. In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Now let me look at this real quick here. Job is honoring God. He's doing so in the rebuke of his wife, right? He rebukes his wife. Not, uh, he, he rebukes her for using the reasoning of a foolish woman. He does not call his wife a fool or foolish. Verse 10. Boy, I expected more guys to say amen there. That, uh, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. So similes. Honey, I'm not saying you're foolish, but you are speaking as a fool. You're speaking like one of those other people. He focuses on the fact then that God has blessed them with so much obvious good. All the business, all the things that he had, and there's that record of them in chapter 1, all that he had. He had been blessed greatly. Philippians chapter 4, 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Supply all your need. Need. I think we need to understand that word very clearly. God never promised wants. And we have a lot that we want. He never promised that we get everything that we desire everything that we'd like to have, everything that would make life the easiest thing ever. He said, I'll, I'll, my God shall supply all your need. And that brings me back, I think it's in 1 Timothy, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Because I do believe that's another area you and I struggle in, being content with what we have. We've got to be content. We've got to be willing to endure it. And putting those two things together, yeah, it's enduring, yeah, it's hard, and be content in doing so. This is what God has for me right now, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it to the best of His ability. Job did not know the outcome. Certainly not at this point. God has not given him the answer. God has not shown him some positively prophetic vision that everything would be okay. Don't worry, Job, this is just for a little while. You're going to lose all this stuff in a day. Your friends are going to come and bash you. And uh, then Elihu is going to speak. And then I'm going to talk to you for a few chapters and encourage you some more. And then I'll give it all back to you. Uh, which also, by the way, um, how long does it take to get 10 grown children back? Long time. So it's going to take some time to get it all back to Job. But Job doesn't know any of that. He doesn't know a bit of it. But he honors God, he worships God, he puts God first. Regardless of how things look, I'm going to put God first. Job is not perfect as we generally understand that term. He's not, we know that. There are some things through the book of Job. I think he was somewhat self-righteous and God had to purge him of that. And he used all this to do that. But Job was trying to serve God. Job was trying to put God first. And when great tragedy struck, he mourned and he dealt with all the, the, the feelings and the issues and things that were going through his mind, and he very quickly, yea, immediately worshiped God. He said, I want to put God first. Because we all know that we all know people who have suffered tragedy and turned their back on God. If you're going to do that to me, then I want none of it. I don't want any part of serving God. I don't want any part of, of who this God is that would allow this to happen in my life. If Job had done that, he never would have gotten his stuff back. He never would have had those ten children. We would not be reading about Job 
If he had said, I'm done with God, I'm over it, it doesn't make your life better to turn away from God. But God gives strength that overcomes any emotion and any other issue we might have if we'll turn to God, seek His face, and let Him do a work in our lives. And all of this did not Job sin with his lips. So the question as we've looked at it, and I, I hope you've applied some as we've gone, do you make the choice to honor and worship God when trouble starts and all the way through? I just want you to think about these questions. I like questions. They make us think, right? If you're willing to think on the question, when tragedy happens, do you honor God? Do you worship Him? Do you go to Him and say, Lord, I need your help? I, I can't do this. Something I, I don't think I have made clear. When you go through tragedy, feelings can overwhelm you. The thoughts of your own head can cause you to go the wrong direction. Absolutely. We need God to bring all those things in control, to take every thought into captivity and give it to Christ. And say, Lord, I'm not going to believe these things. I know what my flesh says. I know what my mind says. I know what the world wants me to believe, but I refuse. This is hard, and it's not fun, and it's difficult. But I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust that you have a purpose and a plan in all of this. You may have every human reason to wag the finger at God. Every human reason. Every reason you could possibly think of. We've got plenty of victims in our world that who would say, I have every human reason to wag the finger at God. But you do not have any godly reason to do so. None. None. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job truly served God for not, for not. I don't expect anything. Uh, for you and I, we know the story of Christ. We know his death on the cross in our place. We know his resurrection from the grave that we might have eternal life. How much has God already done for us? And yet we still expect more. That if he doesn't do this other thing the way I want, it's, I don't know that I could say everybody who thinks that turns away from God, but do we flirt with that idea? That if God doesn't answer my prayer the way I want, boy, I might just leave. Don't flirt with that line. Don't come close to that. Do you only serve God because he gives you good things and makes life easier? Is that it? If the good things stop, I'm out of here. Choose to honor and worship God because He is God, not because He gives you stuff. Stand with me if you would.